everyone. It is Thursday, March 23rd, 2023. Welcome to Tectio Quick Takes. I'm your host, Alex Riley, and here are today's headlines. Our paper, Vendasta and Point Click Care, the new consolidators in the Canadian tech ecosystem, will discuss. And the travel industry continues to rebound with this latest piece of raise news. Canada Drive's pandemic pivot ends up in the ditch. And for our lightning round, we'll go through a few notable raises and acquisitions that are making news from the last couple of weeks. And to help me break it down, Alex Norman joins me. Hey. Hey, Alex. Did you know it's spring? Yes. I, the rain is kind of a good reminder of that. <laughs> well, you know, I think spring, you think flowers blooming. Um, yeah. It's starting to get a bit busier in news again. So um, not all positive. And we try to focus on the positive. The only time we go into negative is when there's something to be understood. But, you know, there's some there, it, there's news happening, and I think we're going to start seeing more action and activity in the ecosystem, hopefully Absolutely. less backgrounds and more interesting tech news. Yeah, and I'm glad you pointed that out because obviously we don't love talking about anything negative, but of course, if there's a learning or a good takeaway, uh, we obviously want to bring um, attention to that uh, so folks in the community can learn something. So, as you said, lots to talk about. Um, I'm interested for this first story just because there is a combination of um, three different companies that we are highlighting what is similar about all of this news, which I think is a unique perspective to have. So before we do that, why don't you start with just the news as a whole and what these announcements were for each one of these companies? Okay. And, and sometimes, you know, Jason, or you might accuse me of trying to just lump news in there so we can cover more, but I think no, never. <laughs> well, when I see some patterns, I think we have to call them out because, you know, one piece of news is not a pattern, two pieces of news, not, but three, okay, you got something interesting going on. So pretty unique. Yes. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, and I, I don't think there's going to be unique, unique actually. We'll get into that. Um, look, a trio of acquisitions were announced in the, over the past two weeks by three different large private Canadian tech companies. In particular, um, as reported by BetaKit, Saskatoon-based Vendesta announced that they were acquiring San Francisco-based um, broadly. This was Vendesta's fourth acquisition in the past two years. Then you had Toronto-based Point-Click Care um, announced their acquisition of Patient Pattern. This is Point-Click Care's fourth acquisition since 2019. Um, the Montreal-based Vancouver announced its second acquisition in a month uh, which was a company called Really, which is reading software. So now, as, as I said, I, I don't think you're lumping these together. I do think there are many similarities that we want to talk about with these um, all of these deals. So why don't we get into what the similarities are? Yeah, so similarities are a few things. First, the choirs are well-funded private companies with large revenues looking for growth. Um, two of them are, you know, one of them is purely VC-backed. I'd argue that that's being paper Vendesta somewhere between VC and private equity, or because last round I think it was done by a hedge fund and we're looking going public. And point click care is private equity black, but backed all but all three of them, a lot of cash, a lot of revenue, and they want to continue growing. Um, the other thing that they all have in common is not for all these companies, it's not their first acquisition. So it looks like growth through acquisition to feel non-organic growth is part of the strategy going forward. Um, then the companies acquired. Um, we're all the, we're all required to grow by additional increasing the product suite. Um, mm -hmm. So the idea here is you buy these companies, um, you have more products to sell your current customers. Uh, with the one exception here, maybe being Vendesta, who actually said, "Hey, uh, Broadly has a bunch of customers we can sell our products to," but you know we're also going to sell Broadly to our customers. So you're looking at companies private looking to buy uh, and grow, and they're buying products to sell their people. Um, the other thing, all three companies that were acquired were venture backed. Yep, and 
The other thing, which I always say, when you don't see a price, a price is not leaked. That means acquisition is probably not um, that lucrative or that high value. But none of them had deal price deals announced right. part of the announcements. Right. So, I mean, why is this happening? Obviously, a reflection of like the changes that have been happening in the funding environment. But why? I mean, you can get into that too. But why do you? Is this happening? And is this a good um, maybe reflection of things being accelerated for the rest of the year, or, or maybe into next year? You know, if you were to ask me. Last summer, we see this pattern emerging. We'll get to what this pattern is and what's happening. I would have thought it would have happened earlier. So um, I think we're going to see more acquisitions like this throughout the year. And it'll probably accelerate the later we get and the longer the stock market and and the funding markets are down. So what's happening here? Mm -hmm. So um, none of the three acquiring. Oh, sorry. All three. Let's start with acquirers here. Let's start with the who sold. They were all venture backed. Um, What they seem to all have, and they were venture backed and acquisitions pointed out the products they had. So that means they all three companies probably had a good product, some traction with validation that there's customers willing to pay for it. Um, but they probably went to market, they probably needed capital, and they could not either could not raise or could not raise in attractive terms. So their best outcome for probably the founders, the employees, the, the past investors was an acquisition by strategic buyer who you know, because all these buyers value their product, can um, have distribution to sell it, so they can pay more than someone that wasn't strategic. So they, you know, my guess is lots of these deals uh, were based on the value of the product. May have had some earnout. Don't know if they did. Don't know if they didn't. Um, and it provided an outcome for these venture back companies that were probably had only months of runway. So there was a, as I said, the prices weren't announced. So there was probably some price paid that wasn't a venture scaled outcome. Mm-hmm. But it was probably it's better getting some money than shutting down a company. Um, then let's look at who the acquires are. They're in a position of strength um, as they have money. They have revenue. And the key thing here is they're not publicly traded. If we go back um, 18, 24 months ago, uh, these would probably be, we'd be talking about Shopify or Lightspeed, companies that had a public stock and a currency they could purchase. But what's happened over the last 12 months, as we know, is all those companies have had uh, their share price decline significantly. And they now have pressure on to show more cash flow positive, better um, economics. Um, so there's a lot of pressure on the public companies who are now, but currency not as valuable as they did before to only make to improve their numbers and make their shareholders uh, happy. So what this allows these private companies that are large um, to be more aggressive with their acquisitions. Um, they probably have shareholders that they can talk to the strategy and they have a currency that hasn't been devalued as much. Maybe, you know, they say, Hey, here's what we last raised money at. And, you know, we're going to give you, we're going to buy you with these shares. Or we're going to raise more money at a similar valuation. So they have now more valuable currency than the public companies. And they're, they're aligned with their shareholders that they don't have to have worry about the short-term margins. We're buying this to grow revenues in 18, 24, 36 months when we think about going public our next round. So it's in a weird way, they were stronger than before. Um, the other thing is the fact that all three of these companies have done multiple acquisitions means they're most likely uh, building you know, a team to do acquisitions and another team to do integrations that will give them a strength that gives them more confidence to do more acquisitions going forward. And uh, so for this question, probably a few reasons to just tack on to uh, your response to this. Why um, is this different than what we were seeing a year ago? Like I said, I'm sure there's a few, so just maybe go through those. Well, first, like I mentioned before, we were talking about acquisitions and growth through acquisition Mm -hmm. 15 months ago. Those companies were public. Um, 
the fact is, and how we're talking about private companies doing it. So it's it's interesting to see how the reactions to the funding market has changed who can buy. I think the other thing is, um, you know, there was also, we talk about the consolidators that were backed by venture companies. So these were the companies like uh, Thrasio, raised a bunch of money. We're going to consolidate the Amazon sellers. They, their model is based upon high leverage. So we raise a dollar of equity, you can get 10 to $15 of debt and low interest rates and multiple um, arbitrage. Those players are also facing harder times right now because debt's more expensive and debt's harder to get. So the multiple debt to equity is lower. The cost of financing, it's higher. So the, the two big people we were talking about or two big groups of acquirers we were talking about 12, 15 months ago are less acquisitive and have to be much more strategic about those acquisitions. And now you've got these companies that are private, large scale, have a good currency and now being you know consulting. So we've seen sort of a passing of the baton. I'm not saying we're not going to see like Shopify make an acquisition and we're not going to see Thrasher type companies make an acquisition, mm-hmm. but there's going to be much more of these large private tech companies that are good footing being in a position to, to grow through acquisition. And then I think the other thing that's happening here and why I think you'll see more of these sellers have fewer buyers mm-hmm. and less options for financing than they did before. So that means the valuations of exits will be lower. The valuations, will, the exits will probably come faster as when you could shop around, get more people at the table, you could find a way to stretch it out. When there's more people, when funding was an option, it, it you know you had a few options of what, what to go forward. But I think there's a lot of companies that built something good and they just haven't reached the takeoff velocity they need that now have to go find owners uh, for the products and to, to, to protect the legacy of what they've built. And I mean, we've gone through a lot, but just lastly, some final um, takeaways for the community and, and things that they can, you know, take with them uh, going forward. You know, I think the number of acquisitions will increase over the next 18 months. Okay. Um, you will see a few of these companies build a strength in growth of the acquisition, like I talked about. Um, you know, historically, Cisco, which, you know, if you look at the first dot-com boom, it became the most viable company in the world and it did that via acquisitions it was a strength so i think if you're a company that's looking to sell mm-hmm. um you now need to look at a larger group of potential acquirers and and build those relationships sooner and understand the model and look and i'd actually be looking for a company that's made us a strength even though you might get a lower valuation if you have to stay with the company after if someone has a you know a company that, that a group that does acquisitions a group that does integrations you'll have a much more successful transition because, you know, selling, going to the choir is always a difficult path for a career, but, you know, there might be some companies that have strength and you might want to favor those. Um, going to reiterate here what I've seen for a while. Funding for post-seed companies mm-hmm. will be more selective and companies that need to prove they have product market fit. So I think it's no longer good enough to show some traction. You have to raise that A round. You have to show you have product market fit. This was not right. the case before. Yeah. Um, you know, the other thing is, talent will become more available. Uh, the talent will have experience, uh, you know, the talent that comes from these companies will experience some growth, maybe not be, you know, traditionally successful, but this talent will be helped lots of pre-seed companies and seed companies grow faster. And I think it, this is a net positive for ecosystem mm-hmm. as companies that are sort of the worst, the worst thing to happen to a founder and a team is to be sort of successful for six years and not go anywhere. What right. you want is either a quick death or a great success. And I think if you have some, you know, I think this was going to shake out a lot of companies that probably in three, four years, you know, if they hadn't, you know, strike lightning, would just have, you know, been three, four more years building something that wasn't successful. Now we're going to get these great talents back at other companies and have quicker iterations to build those massive companies for the ecosystem. 
Right. And I think that's an interesting highlight too, because um, stagnancy is, or to be stagnant rather is probably the death to a lot of companies. And also I know talent, for example, doesn't want to join organizations that maybe aren't progressing or, or growing in that sense either. So uh, product market fit and, um, you know, being stagnant, obviously two good things to call out. I also like that this headline is related to two um, companies that we've had join various TechTO activations and events that we've had. Um, Point Click Care did a podcast with us and I believe Paper did also yeah. and spoke at an event. So I will make sure that I'm just linking that relevant content in our newsletter. And if you would like to see uh, those stories, for example, and also just catch up on anything you might have missed today, you can subscribe to our newsletter at techtio.org backslash newsletter. Uh, we've been doing lots of great things with the newsletter. Um, anything you uh, want to highlight? Well, a couple things. Uh, you know, we're working on more founders FAQs. We those mm -hmm. the first couple were really well received. We're working on a new other new recurring feature, which we hope to produce soon, which will give you another way to look at the ecosystem and find opportunity people to work with. And finally, um, we're you know we're starting to prepare next year's rocket ship list. Uh, so yes. look out for all that news in our newsletter. Yes. And um, I believe one of the topics we want to cover is just like how to go about finding a co-founder. So we've done a call to action for people to make suggestions. If you do have suggestions, feel free to leave a comment, reach out to us and, and let us know um, how you think someone should find their, their partner in business. Um, so next uh, story to get to is travel industry continues to rebound just with this latest news from Operto. So why don't we get into what that news is and then also what they do. So Aperto, which is Vancouver-based, announced a 25 million USD round led by Centana Growth Partners. Uh, Aperto basically enables travel property owners to think of hotels or Airbnbs to automate their properties. So what does this mean? It allows these properties to remotely control stuff like opening the door, monitoring um, the properties, and while giving the guests a better experience. Uh, so what this this leads to a better customer experience and reduces operating costs for the property owners. So so think of the product as like you know you want to do guest you know you get to the hotel and you don't have to go to the front desk. You get a you automatically get a digital key. You can open your door. Yep. Maybe if you want to order some room service, it can be done all via you know phone. So it, it's it's digitizing and improving the experience for guests while reducing the work needed for these property owners. Kind of reminds me of uh, like a Sonder where there's not really a necessary like concierge that's there. You kind of just um, have all the information you need on your phone and just can kind of check in and like come and go as you please. So uh, I also love to see that the travel industry is rebounding. I know we all miss travel. So this is, again, really positive that we're talking about this. Uh, why else is this company notable? So first of all, it's been flying under the radar in Vancouver. And the last two rounds, this round and the previous one were led by American investors. So always find it interesting when there's companies succeeding and the Canadian ecosystem hasn't embraced them yet. Uh, it's Second of all, it's benefiting from the post-COVID travel world. So what does that world look like? Customers want a digital first experience. They don't want to go to the front desk to check in. They don't want to have to interact with people. So this is mm -hmm. enabling, you know, digitizing yep. a physical experience. The travel industry is short-staffed. Uh, they had layoffs. Then people wanted to go back, you know, during COVID and people wanted to come work with them, you know, get them back to work and people didn't want to go back to work in the industry. And it's, it's there, you know, so there's less people available for a post-COVID travel boom. And then you have also the overall, this thing called inflation you may have heard about. It's putting pressure on property yes. owners, bottom lines. <laughs> so they're also looking for operating efficiencies. Um, so basically all three trends feed into what Aperto is doing. Um, and like, 
the companies that we just talked about in the last section. Uh, Aperto has acquired several companies to grow its product line and customer base. So even though it's not a household name and it hasn't raised a ton of money, they've already used this growth strategy to like, let's get some additional products that are being built, but we have distribution for. I like that you highlighted the the little tiny thing called inflation that people may or may not be aware about. Um, Never heard of it. Right? Never heard of it either. Uh, who even knows what it is? Uh, and just lastly, just some additional takeaways uh, for our community. Look, uh, you know, people talk about it, but I don't think we give enough credit to timing. Uh, timing is so important in life, and especially when you build a startup. Uh, mm-hmm. You can do everything right, but if the he- if headwinds exist, then it's just more difficult to succeed. You may get something with a bigger moat, but, you know, it's always easier to have tailwinds to your back. You, you like when you're, you know, going to take the traveling analogy, when you have tailwinds in the plane, you, you get arrive at your destination faster. It's like that here. And right now, travel tech is the perfect example of this. Uh, you know, in 2020, the industry ground to a halt and many travel tech startups died. Mm-hmm. Uh, then, you know, there was less demand, no one had money to spend. And then, you know, started, started, as soon as the world started, uh, you know, uh, opening up, Travel not only did travel take off, travel had what they call it, uh, you know, the pandemic revenge travel. People would travel yeah. more than ever. Yep. Um, but the industry had changed. As I said, less people, less less experienced, you know, people in the industry. Uh, consumers had different digital experiences. Uh, inflation was putting costs on here. So all of a sudden, if you're a travel tech company that survived or someone entering the market, you had an industry that not only had tons of extra revenue coming in, but wanted to change the way of doing business. So a lot of reason that there's demand for products that are changing your business. And likewise, while funding is difficult right now, I think if you have a bit of traction with travel, you can answer the why now and your, the venture capitalists are looking at investing in this. So it's a bit easier to raise money than you expect. And you know, for the non-founders out there, if you're looking for a new role, um, you may want to reach out to some of these quickly growing travel startups because mm-hmm. you can be getting on a rocket ship. I also like that you kind of highlighted that the process for everyone, just the recovery after COVID in the travel industry was, I mean, it was, it was surprising and it was, it was different, the revenge travel aspect, but also um, a lot of these travel companies were lacking staff to, to accommodate for all these people that were traveling too. So it's just interesting to see the the, the pivot and the recovery happen. Uh, in, so in- Alex, I have a question for you. You know, sure. what, what, what destination haven't you made that you wanted, you know, you've been dying to since like COVID started to, is, is there a, you know, a special destination you'd like to travel to? You know what? I think on my bucket list is I would love to do a safari, an African safari. I think that's been like my family's plan for a really long time. And that's a little bit of a, a journey and an expedition to do all of that. And I think that would require taking a lot of, time off from work but that's that's kind of on my bucket list so maybe maybe in a few years i'll do something like you, that you mean you're not ready to get to do a quick dates from botswana or tanzania <laughs> that would be an interesting one with maybe some of the, the animals in behind me that would be um that would be a very interesting uh non-virtual background to have for a future episode of quick take so maybe well, if anyone in the kenyan uh, tech ecosystem or the botswana tech ecosystem is interested in having tech to come visit just reach out to Alex and we'll, uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll gladly do, uh, you know, talk about how tech is changing the world of safaris. I was, that would be very interesting. So yeah, let us know. Um, I would love to, to volunteer myself for that. So uh, thanks for that good call out. Um, so next uh, headline is the Canada Drives News. So their pivot, obviously not panning out how they were hoping it would be. So uh, what's the news? Why 
Did it end up in the ditch, so to speak? And, yeah. and what does this mean? So Vancouver-based Canada Drugs went into creditor protection in BC earlier this week. So first of all, we don't talk about creditor protection a lot. Um, you know, you hear in the States this thing called Chapter 11. It's very similar. Um, it's basically when a business says, hey, we have a business here. We're actually insolvent, but we think there's something to be salvaged. So we want to get the court to protect our assets from our debtors. So you can't come and, you know, try to take money out of the business, take assets. And we want to reorganize the business and come out with a, a new sustainable business. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this protection protects them, you know, so what basically Canada Drives is doing right now is they're going, hey, we got a new, we're going to come with a new plan to go forward. Um, we're going to be able to shed unprofitable contracts, get rid of employees, sell assets, and then negotiate new terms with creditors. In this case, creditors, I think, are uh, TD, Amazon, and Google are some of them once mentioned. And then once they have this plan, they go to the court. And they have to say, they, they're the ultimate ones that say, okay, we approve this plan. You can go forward with it. The court also has to take into consideration that they believe that the majority of the creditors will support it. So the court can't just say, yeah, well, you know, you're not going to have to pay T back and you can pay Google back in 15 years. They have to have a plan that they think is viable and will allow them to pay TD back back or Google or Amazon Web Services in, in, a, in a reasonable time. They have to think that the TD Bank, Google, and Amazon will give approval to this. Right. And so how, like, how did this happen for them? Like, how, how would a company find themselves in this position? Well, there, there, there's many ways, but let's talk about this one in particular. Uh, Canada Drives, actually, if you go back to like 2020, then, you know, the 2020 fiscal year for them, they had a very successful and profitable business. Uh, their original business was basically generating and selling leads to car dealers. They look for co- people looking for financing. They'd be looking for car, a new car purchase. They'd be looking for people looking to buy, uh, sorry, for a car. And they sold the leads. Um, that generated, they, they generated in the last fiscal year before uh, COVID, $86 million in revenue and $10.5 million in operating profits. That's actually probably makes them one of the more successful tech companies at the time that was still private. Uh, you know, then what happens? The pandemic happens. What yeah. happens, you know, and I think Canada Drive saw a challenge and an opportunity there. The challenge, well, I'll start with the opportunity. The opportunity was over the last few years before at that point, you know, you saw the emergence of a vertically integrated online used car dealer. Think of Carvana or Clutch. Yep. These companies said, you know what? We're gonna generate leads, but we're also gonna we're also gonna basically do the whole thing online. So we're gonna have we're not gonna have a dealership physical place. You'll be able to come shop our online store, we'll drive the car to you. And we'll sell to you, and we're going to make profit. We'll capture the margin, and that whole process. We'll sell the car. Maybe you can make money from insurance. Maybe you make money from finance. So there's an opportunity. Those companies were highly valued. So I'm sure the Canada Drives execs said we're doing great, but those guys they got millions of revenues. They got huge valuations. Second thing that happened, which you know probably forced them to act, was all of a sudden no one wanted to go into any physical goods store, and they were people were shopping more online, getting fulfilled online. So digital first was becoming the way. So Canada Drives looks around. They say, okay, let's well, time to pivot the business. We could go raise money because it was easy to raise money back then and mm-hmm. become a digital dealer. Uh, the results were revenues grew really quickly, but they were now in a more complex business that was more comp- capital intensive. Um, you know, and, and but when they did, there was tailwinds. You grow fast, we're gonna give you money. Um, yeah, used all car dealerships are gonna die. Um, used car used, used cars were not easily available so the, there was safety in the margins there that were historically high margins but then over the last 12 to 18 months what were headwinds became uh, what were tailwinds became headwinds uh, used car prices fell interest rates rise and it was hard to raise money so now 
Canadrides wakes up and they don't have enough cash to go forward. So it's good to understand, I guess, the process and, and what happened until now. So just have a better understanding of right now and the current situation. Like, what does this mean for inventory, their teams? Like, like how is how is this all, I guess, so unfolding right now? In the Globe and Mail, they reported that the company has 326 employees now. They had revenues in the last year of $298 million. That's That's a significant increase. But yep. they went from a $10 million profit operating profit to an $80.5 million net loss. Um and how do they try to handle this? They tried to raise $100 million in the fall. They secured $40 million of that, so they didn't successfully do that. They also tried to sell the company. They apparently had an agreement that fell through. And so, you know, they were cash. They were basically, they burned through the cash. They went for protection. As of the time, they went for protection from, uh, you know, the court documents. They have 1,200 cars. They have eight delivery trucks, yeah. 63 trailers. Just a lot of people, a lot of, and a lot of assets. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, what do they want to do, I guess, now? So, you know, they want to almost reverse the pivot. Like, from the way what I'm reading, they want to say, okay, let's, you know, this previous model hat was worked really nicely. It was very straightforward. It was asset light. We want to find a way to restructure business. I guess that probably includes selling the cars, the trucks, yep. the trailers, getting rid of employees, paying down, paying down some debt after that and, and paying some debt over time. But go back to, you know, go back to basically matching selling leads. Right. So, I mean, downsizing on all fronts for sure. Do you think this will work for them? Look, I hope it works. Do I know it'll work? I don't know. Uh, the world of online advertising, what's interesting is the whole model may not be working as well as it used to either because a lot of companies, there's more competition for digital car buyers than it was uh, before because you do have these vertically integrated ones that still exist. You have other people have, you know, have come up with new models to sell leads to dealers then you also have the changes in the ad market space, you know, with the cost of acquisition going up across the board because the moves Apple's taken. So you may have a model that's still profitable there, but you have new competitors, new dynamics, and probably less of an arbitrage than you did before. And just lastly, some additional takeaways for our community. You know, first of all, this is a reminder that not all pivots are successful. Uh, mm -hmm. They've been sort of glorified in the ecosystem over the last decade. We read about the companies that did one pivot, they changed a the customer, they changed a the business model, and saved them or made the company the big hit they are today. Uh, in this case, it took a successful company off a path and into a ditch. Um, this is also another reminder here is that we hear about top line revenue, we hear about growth. There's lots of companies that look successful from the outside, but until a company's actually creating more value than the cap than a, a or sorry creating more value than a cost to create it mm -hmm. and being a sustainable business there's you know a company may be on the path but there's no guarantee to success um and then this is you know this is what also here's is, is i think people underestimate the value of a simple business model like look not saying simple beats complex, right? But there's differences, right? A complex model, if you get everything right, there's more, there's more points of failure and more things that could sink a company. If you get it right, it's a huge moat versus a simple business model, which can be emulated much easier. But like, well, let's look at what happened here with Canada Drives. Um, the old model, they had to be best in class in acquiring leads, right? Because if they could acquire leads that convert better than everyone else, they could go sell them for a higher margin and just basically let's buy low, sell high. Don't need many people. There's one thing you have to be best in class at. Now let's go to a vertically integrated model. What do they have to do to build value? They have to be understand demand. So they have to know what cars are going to be in demand and where and what price they could sell sell for. So they have to project all that. Then they have to 
go acquire these cars and be great at acquiring them and then refurbishing them. So that knows what price to pay, what's the cost of refurbishing them, be able to do that cost effectively. Then they have to do logistics. They have to move the cars around. They have to do it. Then they have to get, then they have to acquire, they have to acquire customers, which was their core strength before. They have to also price the cars better now. They have to also, and they also have to manage working capital because they have, need a lot more capital. So any one of these, if you're significantly disadvantaged, you're going to have problems in getting good margins. So, and also this model required more people, more capital. Now, don't get me wrong. If you're best in class across that, it's a much more profitable mar market, probably has a much more enduring moat, but it's just a lot more complicated complicated to execute against. Right. I think those are great call-outs too. Uh, just as good good learning, as we said, you know, obviously this isn't positive news, but it's uh, good learning for for everyone and and things to definitely take into account. Um you know, when it comes to, to growth in your own business, right? I look at it slightly different. They're still in the ring. If, you know, hopefully it can come out swinging. And we're talking about Canada Drives as being a leading yeah. lead gen company for years to come. Yeah. And I'm also like, I think that's a great place to end with that one. So uh, just lastly, uh, before we finish, uh, lots of uh, raises and acquisitions for our lightning round um, that happened over the last couple of weeks. So to start uh, Shiny Docs with that news, so it's a news there, and uh, why is this interesting? So their Kitchener-based Shiny Docs announced that it raised $16.25 mm -hmm. led by Toronto-based First Ascent Ventures and Export Development Canada. So a couple of things to note here. Um, Shiny Docs competes in the ability to find information for enterprises with their internal mm -hmm. documents. This is a really competitive market, Yeah, but they seem to have be taking a position with lots of government and oil and gas uh, customers. These are hard industries to sell. Um, they take a long time, long sales cycle. So it appears that, you know, here's a way to position yourself in a, you know, very highly competitive market. If you can get a sub segment that provides sort of like your moat, um, there's an ability to raise money and build a business off. Mm -hmm. uh, the other interesting note here is the Mester's first ascent. They're Toronto based and focused on SaaS businesses. We don't see many deals by them. And then EDC, um, they invest in Canadian companies looking to export their software or, or focusing on export. So this means that probably Shiny Docs is going to be focusing on expanding outside of Canada. Right. And you, yeah, you don't hear that many deals coming from them either. I can't remember the last one. Uh, so uh, Spark Microsystems, uh, news and why is it interesting? So Spark Microsystems raised $34 million in a round led by Idealist Capital. Mm -hmm. uh, Spark is a fabulous semiconductor company that claims its products can reduce power and offer higher throughput. So this is interesting. We talked about GAN systems selling we last did. week. Yep. You know, also another fabulous company. Also one of the reasons they're successful is because they're energy efficient. So I just found this contradiction kind of interesting because we talked a lot about how we don't have a sort of a, you know, a semiconductor strategy in this country. It's always semiconductors have always been a strength for this country. So yeah, maybe we're wrong. We do, I'm wrong. Maybe organically, we, we're so strong. We don't need a strategy, but it is in a, in a, one of the strategic industries going forward in tech. So just interesting to see we, you know, one company gets sold another raises money. Mm -hmm. And some Vancouver based news now. So teleport, uh, what's the news there and, and why is this interesting? You know, they raised 2.5 million, 2, million USD in a round led mm -hmm. by AppWorks and Defiant Finance X. Teleport offers an infrastructure that connects blockchains. Uh, we did have a Web3 uh, event yesterday. So we did, um, yeah. That's interesting. But this is interesting because, you know, you know it sort of it's actually reflects what I saw on the Web3 event yesterday. Um, Web3 appears to be out of favor in the press, in the media, but there's still funding out there. There's still people building infrastructure. 
Um, if you, you know, and it's like a lot of big technology changes. Sometimes we have to keep them building till we find the right use cases. And if, as long as people are out there building, well, it, it portends a future where blockchain is essential or a part of overall right. technology. So, you know, just a reminder that blockchain is still out there. Yes. And one of the interesting takeaways from yesterday's event that I found is just the limitation around knowledge of how easily, um, I guess, integrated these things are and can be into our daily lives. So it was interesting to hear um, a lot of these founders yesterday talk about just how simple it is. Even with, with the POAPs, I, I found it very easy. And that was my first time ever using something like that. So that was very cool. Um, so Happily Robotics, what's the news there and why is it interesting? So they're Montreal-based. They raised three and a half USD from BDC's Deep Tech Venture Fund. They developed an uh, it's probably called the Inverse 3, which is a haptic interface designed to give feedback via controller. So basically, if you're interacting with something online, it gives you feedback. Um, so it makes it more real. Uh, again, like Web3, AR, VR, Metaverse, robotics have been areas that mm -hmm. people said are overhyped. They're not going to get financing. But here's an example of a company getting financing. I think we'll continue to make progress in technology there. I actually think, you know, you're going to see a mix of robotics, AR, VR become more vital because I think we have a long-term labor shortage issue. Yes. And so you, I think there's an area you're going to see more investments over the next, over the foreseeable future. Right. Right. And lastly, just uh, news uh, from BlackBerry. So what's the news? And, and lastly, just why is it interesting? So before I get to that, you know, figure, describe this. What do you think BlackBerry does? I mean, I, I would assume they, they make phones, right? Like that was my first cell phone, for example, was a BlackBerry. Yeah, it was, you know, it was one of my first, it was my first smartphone. Um, so yeah, I think most That's nine, nine, 19 or 99 out of a, 19 out of 20 or 99 out of 100 Canadians will think BlackBerry is a phone maker. Well, for phones, yeah. you know, this news actually basically puts a nail in the coffin of its, of its, of its phone making days. So what yep. the news was, Global Mail reported that BlackBerry so most of its legacy smartphone patents for 170 million up front, mm -hmm. a deal that could be worth up to 900 million. BlackBerry had previously tried to sell these asset, these patents for 600 million, and a deal that fell through. So this is interesting because this basically is a final nail in the coffin of the BlackBerry sm smartphone era. Yeah, um, it simplifies the business to focus on its IoT and cybersecurity businesses. Um, so just interesting again, simplification is important. Um, it also shows you how long a brand can be misidentified with what it does. Um, and finally, it's interesting to see that, you know, there's a lot of emphasis put on the value of patents by people outside technology and outside the venture community. And yes, patents are important and they're competitive advantage, but it shows you in technology how quickly they, they can um, lose their value because this was assets, you know, a year and a half ago, they were trying to sell for 600 million. They got 170 million. Like, look, the 900 million is probably a nice number for shareholders. Yes. When I see a deal like this, like maybe they get to 200, 220. I don't think they get to 900. Right. That's kind of sad news. It's like it, the door's fully closed now. I think I actually found my original BlackBerry the other day. And I was like, oh, my God, I can't believe we actually I actually had something like this. So uh, we covered a lot uh, just before we go. Some events um, just to call out that we have coming up for the community. Uh, best of uh, TechTO, which brings together a lot of these companies that have had just really unbelievable years and have a lot that they can bring a lot of knowledge uh we we just tend to have a lot of programming around that um for best of i think it's like i think we've got a great line of speakers there's gonna be a lot of knowledge shared and from people that have had a successful year so it's 
it's a celebration of what's good to happen. And so it always excites me just to be in a good mood. Right. And uh, yeah, we also have um, a health TO coming up as well. Uh, we have an event in Montreal. Uh, oh my gosh, there's, I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure I'm missing many others that we have coming up, but everything obviously is available on our website, tacto.org. And I'll link uh, how you can get tickets and what's coming up uh, in the show notes as well. Alex, thank you so much for uh, helping us break it down. Uh, if you liked today's episode, don't forget to like and subscribe wherever you're watching or listening. We will be back in two weeks' time with another episode of Quick Takes. We're in the business of delivering impossible things. We're in the business of delivering things that nobody's ever seen before. If you build that culture, you'll come up with you know really cool and innovative stuff and you know, literally could be in the next multi-billion dollar idea. So this conversation is largely going to be about scaling yourself and scaling your leadership team. I want to talk about one of the biggest struggles that I think a lot of startups face early on, which is building initial traction.